1: SHUT UP, AND
2: SIT DOWN! Hey everybody, Adam and John back here with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles Podcast. And today we're going to be talking with Kyle Mork. Uh, Kyle's a really good friend of mine um, since maybe 2009, I believe. Yeah, Kyle, um, Kyle and I go back a long time before hunting, before any of this uh, podcasting or, or any of that. But uh, Kyle recently competed in the Train to Hunt uh, event in Pennsylvania, and he actually took second in the Men's Open Division. Is that correct, Kyle? Yes, sir. So uh, we're going to talk to him today a little bit about um, the Train to Hunt events the train to hunt community and kind of what goes into it so Kyle had messaged me i don't know middle of the summer or something like that and said hey man i just signed up for this uh train to hunt event in Pennsylvania you want to do it and i was like um yeah i don't know <laughs> i didn't know anything about it <laughs> and so um but then after that came this uh elk hunt preparation and i just couldn't couldn't commit to it. Um, But Kyle, he, he said, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do this, uh, this event. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to win it. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) So I I knew Kyle was really big into fitness and, um, you know, kind of, kind of going on this path to anything and ever anything to, uh, kind of lose himself, uh, in fitness, I think is probably a good way to put it. And, uh, he was he was going down that I think this was the next thing so I guess to start that off Kyle I guess you can probably talk about like yeah okay so uh, Kyle and I met in uh, pharmacy school I went to pharmacy school just outside of Chicago and I'm obviously here from Michigan Um, first impressions Kyle
3: (laughs) yeah yeah when, when we when we met each other I think you know you're a pretty quiet guy I think I met you through a mutual friend and, you know, we had started talking a little bit. We, I think we grazed over hunting a little while. You know, we just kind of went back and forth a little bit talking about hunting. Usually it was all business when we were talking about pharmacy school and everything like that. But, you know, when you, when you talk about pharmacy school and, and you and I, I honestly, one of the, one of the funny stories that I can remember, um, I, you know, I, that mutual friend was actually an ex-girlfriend that is how we kind of got hooked up together. And, um, uh, there was a, a little bit of an issue with another dude, and uh, I came storming into the library looking for said dude, and you had stepped right in front of me and just completely diverted me into some different conversation. And I, I'm pretty sure you kind of knew what was going on there at that time, but uh, it was one of the funny stories because you, you stopped me from kind of kicking that guy's ass in the middle of the library. So I never got a chance to thank you for that, but thank you.
2: Hey, you know, I'm always looking out for, for everybody.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so... So, yeah, but, uh, you know, like you said, we, we, we met in pharmacy school and, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, we graduated, kind of went our separate ways. And then I think we, we were, uh, we were starting to film hunts or we were talking about filming hunting and that's how we kind of reconnected after a little while.
2: Yeah. And and Kyle is super passionate about like everything. So it was like, Hey, I'm doing this. And he's like, well, I bought this camera and this camera and this camera and this (laughs) camera. I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this. So, um. It was, it was very easy to keep that, keep that kind of dialogue going. Uh, oh, yeah. and so you, you grew up suburbs of Chicago. So yeah, uh, how does one get involved with hunting in a place where, uh, there's no hunting, no guns, n- no guns, <laughs> not a lot of yeah. trees. I don't even think I ever saw a bow that wasn't my own in anywhere yeah. within 50 miles of where we were at.
3: It's very different. And, you know, like I grew up in the south suburbs of Chicago, so, and this, was, this is kind of a running joke, but if someone lives near Chicago and, you know, and you go, you travel to another state or another, you know, just another country, they ask you where you're from, you, you just naturally say Chicago. Um, but actually, I grew up in Lamont, Illinois, which is, uh, it's only about 20 minutes south of Chicago. And uh, as far as hunting is concerned, it was a uh, seventh or eighth grade. My uncle was a big time waterfall hunter. So, um, you know, he took me to my, my hunter safety classes, um, him and my dad both took me and, you know, we, uh, he had some private land that he leased out. And I, you know, I did a little bit of dabbled in a little bit of duck hunting for a few years. Um, hockey kind of took over for a little while. So that got put on the back burner. Then, um, you know, once, you know, once high school and college were over, I went to pharmacy school And, and just before I went to pharmacy school, um, I, I was at Bass Pro Shop with my dad. And I was like, you know, I, I kind of want to get back in the in the hunting. And we started looking at 12 gauge shotguns. And all I could think was, you know, I'm going to get this 12 gauge shotgun. I don't have anywhere to hunt. Uncle Jeff doesn't hunt that much anymore. So how the hell am I going to practice? And right next to the gun department is the archery department. So I was like, Dad, let's just go. Let's go look over at the bows here. This 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 shit looks pretty cool. And then really, like at any time, you see all the bows hanging up. Like it's, it's it's intimidating, but it's really cool looking at the same time. So um, through a couple trips back and forth, I ended up getting a bear instinct. And you really took off from there. I started bow hunting just before we started pharmacy school. Um, did a little bit while we were in pharmacy school. Didn't leave you a lot of time to do it there. Uh, but then once I, uh, once I graduated from there, I, I was able to do quite a bit of bow hunting and quite a bit of waterfowl hunting. Uh, with my uncle and my brother and my dad who had both gotten into it as well. So um, more recent years, I, I guess I put a, a, a pretty big foot forward towards hunting. Um, I had joined a, uh, a a waterfall hunting club uh, a few years back, and, uh, you know, we were, we were doing that, and I, I, we were trucking through mud, and, I mean, we had to carry our gear only about, a, I mean, and now I say only about a mile, but at that time it was like, oh, my God, we got to track this stuff about a mile. And we're carrying all our decoys, our blinds, you everything you gotta carry out. There was a lottery system. You only found out the day before where you were gonna go. And there were times where I was like, I'm gonna have a damn heart attack carrying this stuff. <laughs> there's there's no way I should be this out of shape. And and that stuck with me for a while. I didn't really you know make too many changes at that time. You know, that season came and went. Um, honestly that was the last time I, I hunted waterfowl because over that winter, um, Then I really started getting involved with, uh, the UFC gym and not necessarily doing MMA fighting, but just, uh, just a different type of athletics, uh, you know, really body functional movement, um, body weight stuff, you know, constantly like, you know, running, jumping, all those types of things, not bench pressing anymore, not, you know, just sitting there, you know, throwing weights all over the place. You're really just kind of throwing your body all over the place. Started cutting, cutting a lot of weight, cutting a lot of weight, uh, then I got introduced to uh, well, someone everybody knows, uh, Cameron Haynes, and it, a lot of it shot off right from there. I started running more. Um, I started lifting on different days, um, and you know, and then of course, I you know, was shooting the bow way more often, and really just dove headfirst into doing quite a bit of bow hunting. Um, you know, we did a little bit of deer hunting in Illinois but a lot of our hunting actually was hog hunting down in Texas and not the kind like some of us might've done in college, but the, the (laughs) hog hunting, like true, like, you know, like there's there's hogs running around and, and, you know, you're doing a lot of, uh, you know, management out there, um, at this place called those plumas ranch. And I think we've gone there the past six or seven years now. And it's, it's just a whole ton of fun. Like they, 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 you know, you, you hunt at feeders and they, they trap hogs and bring them into this huge, huge, uh, uh, kind of low fence operation and it's you know it's really a great ranch for anybody looking to get into hunting and kind of get their feet wet with it but it also is like kind of like a good warm-up hunt too for your season because it we would do it during the summertime but uh, that's where a big part of big uh, you know big lot of my hunting was done and then uh, and then I was lucky enough to marry a girl from Kentucky and uh, you know her uncle was a big uh, big Matthews guy big bow hunter so I got hooked up with him, and uh, he's been taking me hunting out on his private lease, um, and more recently, uh, my buddy uh, Braden Galleon, who I've, I've become great friends with very recently, we, uh, we've we started exploring some of the public land, particularly the Peabody area uh, out in Kentucky, uh, doing some turkey hunting, and we're making a ton of plans right now for uh, for the deer hunting. So While I'm from the Chicagoland area, we really don't do too much in the Chicagoland area. I tend to have to travel quite a bit, but I've, uh, I've been lucky enough to be able to, for sure.
2: And so you've been, when you go on these hunts, um, uh, just cause I, I know, um, uh, you're going with your dad and your brother. Um, yeah. so did you, Huge family event. did, did you get them into hunting or, or was it, you know, you, know, you said you went with your uncle. So, you know, where does, yeah. where does your, your dad and your, your brother kind of fall into all this?
3: Yeah. So I kind of, I jumped into it first, um, and, you know, at different points, it kind of ebbed and flowed for a little while. <clears throat> But, uh, yeah, when I, uh, particularly archery, cause you know, that's, that's the, that's the big one right now. And honestly will forever be for me. Um, I'm the one who got the bow first. And then, uh, I think a year later, my brother and dad both got bows. My brother bought one off eBay. My dad went and bought a PFC brute and you know, that, it, the rest is history with that thing. So I, I guess I kind of got them into it, but I think they saw what I was doing a little bit and thought it was really cool and just decided to jump in on their own. So for as much credit as I want to take on it, I think we just kind of all went in it kind of our own way.
2: Yeah, I think, so I, I feel like, I guess kind of like you and maybe how they are is like falling in with John and Frank is because I I had a bow and I, I shot it and I kind of knew like what I was doing, but then it just was like a whole nother, whole nother level with this, this sort of stuff. I mean, yeah. it's not, it's not just, oh, we'll just get this off the rack and we'll just, you know, shoot it. No, yeah. no, no, no. We're going to take it apart, put it back together a couple times, and then uh, <laughs> kind of go that way. So how did you hear about the the train to hunt? And I guess what other events did you do, like, going uh, up to that?
3: Yeah, so I think, and I was trying to kind of, like, backtrack the time when I heard about it and everything, because I was talking to uh, uh, Bill Edel. Uh, who's one of the coordinators out there at training to hunt because he asked me how I heard about it. Um, and I had when I was doing all the working out at UFC gym and and doing a bunch of that stuff, I was cutting weight like crazy, and I was getting really big into um, really big into boxing. And so I, I actually started training for golden gloves. Well after the second time I broke my nose, my wife was like, "You need to find a different sport to do. What, whatever you do, you you are not boxing anymore. Um, so, so I was like, okay, well, you know, let's let's switch gears into more endurance sports. So I did a half marathon. I did pretty well there, um, and then I uh, my wife did the Chicago marathon, and I was like, man, I should do the Chicago marathon. And everyone told me like, no way, don't you are you're, you're too big for to run that long. And I kind of li- I listened to them for a little bit. They're like, you should do a triathlon. So in the midst of doing all the triathlon training and signing up for Chicago triathlon somehow or another i saw train to hunt on like instagram and i was like i'm training hard for the triathlon right now next year i am doing train to hunt i was like that is that is what i was meant to do right there i was like this the biking the swimming the running like this is this is fun this is great i i i, I podium for that but i knew like the the train to hunt event was that was like that was built for me and you see all the guys on there there's all different types of body types but the guys who are consistently podium, it's like, Oh my God, those guys look like me. I can, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of how I, uh, you know, I, I think social media was really the, the best way I heard about it. So.
2: Yeah. And how many events are there in the, the country? Cause there's only,
3: you know, yeah, there's not many. Um, I, well, I guess, I guess relative to, you know, different types of endurance sports, but I think there's about, I, I don't quote me on this. There might be about nine. Okay. You know, Kenton Claremont, is the, uh, he's the owner of Train to Hunt because it's more than just the events. He does uh, fitness plans where you can sign up and they send you weekly fitness plans. Um, he owns a CrossFit gym, so that's kind of how he got into it. He explained this all to us during the award ceremony the other night. Um, but they have, nine, uh, I think, about nine events, eight or nine events. And then each one of those events is a regional event. And, the quali- uh, and to qualify for the national event, you have to podium and then you get an invite to the national events. Uh, that's in, I want to say, Colorado. It's, uh, it's actually only a couple weeks away.
2: Okay. And so with that, what was the turnout like? I mean, how many people were you competing against?
3: So I think there were about 15 or 16 guys in my division, and I believe that was the biggest division. Um, there's other different divisions. There's supermasters, which is 50 and over. Um, there are men's masters, which is 40 and over, and then men's open, which anybody can compete in, um, traditional. So you got to shoot traditional archery for that one. And then, uh, they have co-ed and then they have, uh, teams and women. So they have a bunch of different divisions and they, they rank you all, uh, at the end, like how individually, how you've all done. So then they, they kind of do an, a little bit of an overall thing, but the men's open division, you're using the heaviest weight and, you know, by, by fruition, I guess you're competing against the, the highest competition in that one.
2: Okay. So, um, before we get into the event and, um, kind of like your specific training for that, um, you kind of had something really big kind of happened in your life that kind of changed, I think the way that you looked at training and, and things like that. So you want to talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah.
3: So, um, prior to, uh, yeah, I finished the triathlon in, uh, the Chicago triathlon in, um, over Labor Day weekend. And, uh, we were expecting our son, uh, early October, October 4th to be specific. So we had, uh, moved to a new house. I mean, we would have, you know, we traded my Jeep in for a Cherokee or my Wrangler in for a Cherokee. We did, we, we put everything together. We, uh, we changed our life around completely. And, uh, you know, I was still training at this time and, you know, still training, like with a, I guess a very positive mindset at that time. Um, come October 4th, uh, unfortunately my, my son was stillborn, my son Garrett. And, uh, that was a, I mean, for anybody to experience it, it's a, it's a devastating blow. Um, and it put me in a pretty dark place for quite some time, um, you know, before, uh before my own pod before I started my own podcast, before I started, you know, really changing how I trained. Uh it was it was a pretty you know, I would I would wake up some mornings and I was like, oh man, this is this gonna be a rough day. Um and this is this is where it might get a little heavy for a second. But uh one morning I woke up and I decided I, I didn't want to be here anymore. And uh, you know, that that lasted only a few seconds, maybe a minute. I honestly couldn't tell you how long it thought. Um I, I was like well, I, I don't I don't want that either and so I kind had of to, had to talk myself down and say what are you gonna do next because you can't sit here and just you can't sit here piss and moan and you're 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 not gonna you're not gonna not be here anymore so you got to do something um, and I still you know at this time I was I was still training so I was like you know what if I'm gonna if something's gonna take me from this earth if something's gonna you know just beat me down to the point where I am no longer breathing, it's going to be my training. So that, I think it was that very morning when I went to the gym, I was like, I'm going to train so hard that if the training kills me, that's fine. Then I did it right. And I did that every day. And this was probably, I want to say this was December when, when I, when those, when that started happening. Um, And I've been training every single morning, every day since 4am, I get up I walk a dog, and I go to the gym, and I push as hard as I can, quite literally. And it's it seems weird to kill myself if I can, and I I try harder and harder and harder. And ultimately, that turned out to be you know it was I didn't really realize at the time, but it was channeling all that negative energy into something that was good. Um, in the midst of that, I also started the the Dads and Angels podcast because I was like you know I, I'm on. I'm onto something here where I can channel this into something good. Maybe I can channel it into something that can also help people. So I, I bring dads on who have also lost their their children. Um, I bring area experts on who are good, like motivational speakers, um, uh, area experts in, in disease states that are notorious for taking children um, or, you know, for, for um, being diagnosed in children who are, who are lost. And, uh, you know, I just kind of have a conversation with them um, and actually, you know, you guys have been a huge, uh, uh, inspiration and, you know, resource and mentors for that. Um, so I, I, I really can't, I want to say thank you, you know, so that everyone else can hear it, that, you know, the, uh, the Bullhard Chronicle podcast has been a huge supporter of the Dads and Angels podcast. So, um, not only mentoring, but definitely supporting as well.
2: On a side note is like the, the podcast that you do is like, I don't know. I mean, if you've got kids, it is like the your worst fear, or or anything like that. You know, it, it's just unfathomable. And so to listen to these stories, in it's very very positive. Um, what you're doing is you, you're giving this. Uh, what what do you, what do you say? It's it's a group that nobody Infinite. wants to be in, or, or something.
3: Yeah, it's an exclusive club that no one wants to be a part of, but it's filled with the most amazing people.
2: Yeah, and so you're giving these guys, you know, I'm sure that there's support groups out there, but they have a, a place to vent. And so listening to your podcast, if you ever have anything that's going on or any struggle that's going on in your life, you know, you flip this on and you see these, <laughs> these guys who've basically had their hearts ripped out and then they're talking about it turning it into something positive. It seems like everyone that's been on there has used everything that's happened to them as a a tool to do something, do something positive. And so uh, it's really, it's really gripping, you know, it's, it really kind of grabs you when you're listening to it. So, I mean, what you're doing is, is really good, not only for I think the community that you're serving, but for anybody that stumbles across it or knows somebody on it, I mean, it's, it's a very powerful um, yeah. media so you know thank you're you doing much. a great job
3: thank you thank you so yeah that's and that's been a you know that's been a huge part that's become a huge huge part of, of uh of my life at this point is is doing that um you know I mean we have our regular nine- to five jobs. so when I come home i'm I'm a, you know just constantly either thinking about what i'm what I'm doing for training or who I'm gonna have next on the podcast and how I'm gonna do it um, and then somewhere in the, in the, in the gaps of that, I, I fit in some hunting, luckily enough right now, you know, we're in the off season right now, but, uh, you know, once the fall comes around, then I'm definitely gonna have to figure out how to, how to remanage my time. And then, I mean, also the reason why I get up at 4.00 AM is because no one else in my house is up at that time. So that's about the only time that I can train too. So it's a, it, it's become a pretty good balance, but it's also distracted me enough from what's happened with Garrett to, you know, it, and keeping, just keeping busy
2: too. And so with that, where is your, it, it, so you, you, you push through all of that and kind of focused your energy, um, in this manner. Now, where are you at? I mean, how do you even train for this? Cause I know when you had first sent me the link to it, it didn't seem like there was very much information on the website of what it even was. And I think either this year or recently they had changed the way that they were doing it. Cause there used to be, you know, a heavy pack section where it was a hundred pound pack run and something yeah. of that nature. So, um, the train to hunt has actually changed. So what yeah. was your training like? And what, I guess, what were the events? How much did you know about it going in?
3: Yeah. So they, and they have continued, and they talked about this, uh, while we were there, they have continually trained it. It's still a fairly young event. Um, and it's grown every year. Uh, it, it went from having to pack out, I think, hundred to hundred and fifty pounds. So you could do it all in one, or you could do it in multiple different, you know, in multiple different runs. Honestly, I, when they were telling me that, I was like, "Well, thank God I didn't sign up for that year because I would have died." <laughs> but uh, at this, uh, uh, as far as the event is concerned, um, this year the event. They did the endurance portion first and then, uh, which they call the challenge course. And then they did the 3d portion, uh, you know, immediately follow, or, you know, 15 minutes following once your heat was done, you, you took 15 minutes to kind of catch your breath and realize that it, you didn't die and go into a, a 20 shot, uh, 3d course, which was really creative and cool how they, how they set that up. Um, but the, uh, the challenge course itself starts with four different over the box exercises, And, uh, with, uh, and three of those are with a fifth, uh, for the men's open, it's with a 50 pound pack for the different, other different divisions. It, uh, you use different weights, um, you know, lesser weight for women's, uh, men's supermasters. I think men's masters and, uh, Kenny, the beast Hollinsworth is still using a 50 pound and he's, he, he definitely dominated his, his division for sure. Um, but you're going to be carrying that over in some form or another, over the box uh, with one other set of burpees over the box but in between each one there's a, about a 300 yard dash where you, you run out and back um, and then when you run back you take a uh, 30 yard shot on a 3d target so it was a just you know just a deer um, so and then they'll score that uh, they'll score that shot up a five for a hard shot three for a lung shot one for anywhere else on the body and zero for a miss the shitty part is if you really are really gassed and don't take your time with your shot, and you miss, you have to do 25 additional burpees, which is nuts. One guy missed, and he's a he's a professional triathlete. He he did miss one shot. He actually misfired his uh, his bow. Didn't dry fire it. He you know he 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 hit the trigger too soon. Um, he had to do 25, and he still ended up third in his division. But that's because he's a freak of nature. I think anybody who had to, anybody who missed, if you missed a target on the challenge course, I think that was. You didn't really have a chance of podium for that. Um, so then, as though you know, that, you know, that you're know, you're sweating, you're you're gasping, you're gasping for air at the end of that. Then you take your uh, your backpack that has another fifty pound uh, sandbag attached to it already, and then you're gonna run. Um, ours was about 1.3, 1.4 miles with two shots. Uh, set up in between or set up in the middle of the run, uh, a 40 yard shot. And there was a 30 yard shot. Uh, but thinking that we're in Pennsylvania and, and not knowing the geo- geography or, you know, the, 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 the topography of Pennsylvania, I'm thinking, well, it's pretty close to the Midwest. So that's, that's going to be pretty flat. No, <laughs> it wasn't not like it was, it was the exact, it was like we were running up a 90 degree angle for the entire time. Uh, and muddy too. Oh, was it muddy? <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're the, you really had to pace yourself when you went through it. Um, you know, the, the first shot was about three quarters of the way through the last shot. Luckily enough, thank God was like right at the finish line. Um, so then, you know, you're, you're across the finish line and then you go into a, a, a pretty creative 3d course. There's two shots in 10 seconds. Um, uh, you have five seconds to shoot. Once you, once you say go, you have to do a 30 second hold on one of them. Um, And then, uh, you know, some unknown distances, so you're not able to use your range finder in some shots. And then real, you know, just setting up real small targets like squirrels. And uh, I forget what the other small one was, but there were some there were some tiny ones out there. Um, As far as the training goes for it and and how how I, you know, prepared for it. um, Tex Grebner, who is one of the uh, uh, he's one of the competitors. He's done it for quite some time. He's a multiple time national champion and uh and, and a very unique dude but awesome dude at the same time um it, you may know him from a little video where he, he 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 accidentally discharged a firearm into a certain extremity of his body but the guy is a stand-up dude and uh, you know he takes a little bit of heat for that And i, I when he was telling me the stories about that i felt terrible because i'm like dude anybody who talks to you knows you're you're i mean you're unique but you are a you have all the intentions of making hunting awesome for everybody. And if you watch his videos, he really, that's, that's, that's his goal. Um, but he did one video on what you need for training to hunt. And that's really short of uh, Kenton uh, Claremont's like instructional videos on what to, what to expect when you get there. The equipment video that Tex does is really the only video that's out there that says, these are the boots you need. These are the sandbags you need to train with. This is the type of external pack or something like it that you need to do, that you need to use. And then a little bit of what to expect. Um, and when I, when I got to the range there, he was one of the first people there along with uh, Colonel Paul Cravey and Adriana Rosa. They were all at the range together. And these guys had done these events over the past few years. They've all done multiple. I think uh, Paul did nine of them. Cause you can do multiple ones in, in the year, um, but super welcoming guys. I became, instant friends with all of them, but I went to Tex and said, Tex, you are one of the reasons why I'm here because I was actually able to train based on your video. Um, as far as the, like the, what I was actually doing then, you know, I had the equipment set up. I had an idea of what I wanted to do. Um, when I was, when I was actually at the gym or when I was actually running, I knew that the distances, I knew the distances and I knew the heights of the boxes and everything. So I always went over that. So, uh, the boxes were, I think roughly about 20 inches. So I used the 24 inch box at the gym just to go over to make sure that when it came to the 20, I was good. And that's, that helped tremendously. Some of the other training, uh, you know, if, if the run was 1.5 miles, I was always doing three miles with the pack. Problem being, I was doing three miles flatland, <laughs> which is, which one point, you know, roughly 1.5 miles with a 50 pound pack on your back going straight up hill is like an ultra marathon. Like, <laughs> it's, it was brutal. and It's, it's one foot in front of the other. But when I was running it, all I could think was, all right, if I die, I just need to make sure I fall in some sort of cool way, so I don't look absolutely ridiculous when someone <laughs> finds my body out here. Because, <laughs> because that thought—I mean, that's that's kind of like what I'm thinking about as I'm just like one foot in front of the other, just keep going. Because that's the only way you can get through it. It's it 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 sucks, but you gotta you gotta you gotta like enjoy it. You gotta love it to, to really really to to really really do well. I'd say some things that I would do better next year and um and i'll continue to train right now in the event that something happens coming up where i can go to nationals but uh a tr- trekking poles are huge like going because you can use them anybody if anybody who does this course you need at least one trekking pole to get up the muddy parts and and you have to well i was able to do this fairly well but you have to pace yourself and just focus on yourself and and whatever goal time you want to hit because it's very easy. One of the guys in our heat, he blasted out in front of everybody. And he was, he was ahead of me for two of the four exercises, and then he dropped to last because he just gassed himself completely out because he was trying to beat all the people in his heat. Um, pacing yourself is, is huge with that. So, so that's kind of the, the breakdown, I guess, kind of start to finish of uh, the event, the training.
2: With, um, with that, when you got there, um, what was your, I guess, what was the contrast between your expectation and what the event really had outside of the topography incline? Sure.
3: So when I got there, um, you know, and I guess this is, this is kind of a reflection of the hunters in Illinois, um, hunters in Illinois can kind of try to intimidate and bully each other quite a bit, especially cause there's not a lot of land and there's, you know, there's a bit of uh, intimidation that goes on and, you know, it's uh, quite a bit of conflict, you know, for for one reason or another um so i guess i kind of had it in my mind that i was going out there i was dealing with hunters i'm going to deal with the same type of people and uh for a little while i got a little nervous because it's like you don't you don't want to be walking into conflict of any kind and you know i i I was getting a little jittery like okay well i got to deal with this on top of competing and i'd go back and forth i think i texted you once it was just like yeah man i'm getting kind of nervous about Mm -hmm. it you know i'm not sure what you know what i'm really gonna you know how I'm really going to perform if I'm going to do as well as I thought I uh, thought I will. But um, for anybody that does sign up for the event, uh, and this is what I did when I got there, I went straight to the um, the sportsman club that they were holding the event at and went to their range and just hung out with everybody and found out immediately that, all, that the, these guys, anybody who's competed in this event, they like consider them part of a tribe. And it's like this brotherhood that's formed. There is zero intimidation to this event whatsoever. Everyone like cheers, everybody else on um, myself and JT were in the same group. JT finished first. I finished second. And I mean, we were like constantly helping each other with the 3d targets. We were ranging for each other. We we're, you know, we were kind of going over strategy on the shot. Like everyone's there to help one another. It is the most amazing experience. It's, it's a lot like the guys that I meet through the podcast, really. Like they are all people who have gone through something that really sucks and they want everyone else like they want anybody who was there to go through it with them and really like experience it and be part of that brotherhood. It's it, it was really, really, really cool to, to experience that, especially like Adriana Rosa uh, and Paul Cravey. Those guys were those guys were awesome because we shot at the range. I think we shot for about two or three hours. And, and I mean, I, I probably could have just blown my shoulder completely out. But I had such an enjoyable time talking to them that I never thought I would have walked away with this many friends especially in the hunting industry. Uh, So it was, that, that was, uh, you know, my expectation was I was going to come in, compete. Maybe I win. Maybe I don't, maybe a podium, maybe I qualify for nationals. I don't know. To once I got there, I made a ton of friends right off the bat. I didn't even care how I did the competition then, which probably helped me.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it was interesting. I, like I said, I've never went into anything thinking that I'm going to win it. So I, I thought, I mean, knowing your situation, like, probably most people didn't. Um, I understood, you know, where you're at with that, but it's like, that's pretty ballsy. And so yeah. when, even when we were in Detroit and I was talking to uh Drew Youngdike, who had uh qualified for Nationals and he may have even um you know podiumed at Nationals last year and traditional You know, I said, uh, my buddy's, I I was asking him if he was going to be in Pennsylvania. And he said, I I thought he was going to be there, but um, he had a wedding or something. So he's going to try to squeak in one of the other events. But um, he said, man, there's some really tough competition out there. You know, I hope he really does well, but he's like, it's, it's going to be tough. And I was like, yeah, I mean, he's training, but you know, texting you back and forth and knowing where your training was. I told John last Thursday, I said, yeah, Kyle's on his way down to to train, to hunt this weekend. And I said, I think he's going to do great with the physical fitness, the shooting. I don't know.
3: Yeah. That's what got me. That's that's, and that's exactly what got me. I, I actually, I, um, uh, JT and I finished two, I finished about two minutes ahead of JT. Um, probably one or two, one, two or three shots. He did better than me and that his shooting is what put him ahead of me for the, for, for the win. And, and that's it. And I knew, I mean, I, I honestly, I kind of knew going into it. I was like, if there was a part of this that I'm unprepared for, uh, it's, it's the shooting part of it. And, and that's what, that's what got me. It was, it was the shooting.
1: So with that, what, what did you do? Did you do any prep work for with the shooting?
3: Yeah. Um, so it, uh, the biggest part of the shooting is, um, and this part I didn't realize till I got down there, but I kind of had it in my mind a little bit, um, No rushed shot during your challenge course is worth 25 burpees. (laughs) So if you're like, you think like, okay, you're going to run the whole time. You're going to run. You're going to, you're just going to crank them out. You're going to grab your bow. You're going to shoot. You're going to go. It doesn't work out that way. You, you have to like 10 to 15 feet before your, you know, you grab your bow at at your station. You just, you can, you got to walk it. You got to slow your heart rate down somehow or another. So when I trained um, out here at the house, what I would do is, I, my block is one half mile. So I would um, I, would run, I would run one half mile, I'd come grab my bow, I'd shoot. I'd go run one half mile, I'd grab my bow, shoot. And I got used to learning how to slow my heart rate down quicker and quicker and quicker. And so I was able to do that well. Um, just the, the mechanics of shooting, you know, they, they're not perfect. Uh, they're less perfect when you're tired, but uh, they were about as good as they were going to be. Uh, by the time, for me at least, when I got there, but slowing your heart rate down and not rushing the shot is the biggest key. And making sure you actually knock an arrow. No one did it at this event, but I'm pretty sure there are a couple people in other events because there was a dry fire rule now, where they were probably rushing so hard to get to their bow and lock in, you know, you know, clamp on and 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 draw back that they forgot to put an arrow in. And that you you have to like constantly in, like embed that in your mind knock the arrow first, knock the arrow first.
1: So what, what, what is your equipment? Like what bow are you shooting and arrows? Were you just using like your regular hunting setup or do you yeah. modify it at all?
3: Yeah, no. Um, it, well, I modified it a little bit and I, I may just continue this into the, into the season. Um, I traditionally would shoot, uh, I have a, a Matthews Halon 32 and I would, I was shooting with a eight inch B stinger on the front. And, um, you know, when I would hunt, I'd take the quiver off because it's a tree stand hunting. So I'd leave to take the quiver off, hanging in the tree. And really, you just kind of knew you had one shot. Uh, when I started training for this event, I was like, all right, I got to run with my bow and I'm not holding my arrow. You can't hold your arrows in your hand. So you got to keep them in the quiver. So I started shooting with the quiver on and realizing, you know, I'm, I'm kind of leaning one way. So, you know, after watching a couple of Dudley videos and Aaron Snyder video, I was like, all right, I need, to, I need to put a sidebar on this thing. So I bought a, um, a 10-inch beastinger stinger, put it on the front, took the 8-inch uh, and stuck it to the left, and that, I mean, almost instantly made my shooting that much better. Did a little playing around with the weights, um, put all the all the available weights on the front. I didn't have any weights on the sidebar, but I was able to balance out that quiver. The, um, it was a Matthews quiver, so it's on there real nice and tight. Um, so I was able to balance everything out. Uh, you know, for... For this event, there is that uh, two shots within ten seconds. I was able to do it with a QAD, but honestly, if you know for anybody who's listening, if they're if they're wanting to do this, just go with a whisker biscuit. It's you just drop it in, and I mean the guy who beat me, he was shooting it with a whisker biscuit, so you know it can work. Uh, so you don't really need anything too fancy. I mean, I used the the quad one where you got you got to clip it up, and I'll send you guys the video, and you can um JT's wife was was uh nice enough to film and and take a bunch of pictures for me as well um but they got the video of the the two and ten seconds and you see me have to you know there's an extra movement And within 10 seconds like it is enough time to take two shots but if you had a uh you know I I think JT did his shot within like six or seven seconds and mine was like 9.9 so there's, there's a there's a huge huge difference there um as far as arrows are concerned, you know, when I bought my previous bow, um, I bought carbon express pile drivers and I've just stuck with those ever since. Um, I've had to kind of tweak, you know, how I shoot and everything a little bit. Um, again, you know, using more back tension, watching a Dudley uh, one of the Dudley videos and shoot back tension definitely helped me place those a lot better. Um, and then just a single pin, uh, the single pin. That's or actually, it's like a the the, the double pin um, spot hog fast Eddie XL. So it's nice to be able to dial though. You know, you can when you're shooting 3D. It's it's nice to be able to just dial it in and not have to worry about your pins. I like the nice wide open sight picture on it. I don't think I'll ever go back to you know any fixed pins, you know, or any uh you know four you know four three four five pin or whatever. I'll just I think I'll always be a, a single pin kind of guy from now on.
2: What was your impression? I mean, so you're talking about your setup and that's, if someone was going to do the train to hunt, I can see where that QID would be, uh, problematic. Uh, Mm Um, were there any people that were shooting like a specific train to hunt bow? And I guess when you were doing your, your training, like, would you change it up to where you are running with a bow or something more cumbersome? And were there people that had trained to hunt specific? bows that were maybe lighter maybe something they wouldn't necessarily hunt with or was it mostly hunting setups because when you had said that you were in the men's open division I had to look that up because when I think of open I think of you know you can shoot a lens you can shoot a you know in 3d or whatever you can shoot a a 100 inch stabilizer if you want to where there's hunter classes and things like that so I I was just curious if anybody had something tailored specifically to the event
3: so Kenton does a really good job um, at, uh, you know, putting some very reasonable rules into place. Um, number one, I, you don't, you, I don't think you can use lenses for it. Um, you can't use lighted knocks for it. You cannot use, um, you got to have, you know, your quiver's got to be, you know, whatever your hunting quiver is. So it's got to be either attached to your bag for your run or it's got to be attached to your bow. Uh what were some of the other roles? Um you know, if you wanted to run like the you know the 3D quivers where guys attach them to their their waist, if you wanted to actually use that when you were on the course, like the 3D course, you had to use it in the challenge competition. So you can imagine that would be a real pain yeah, in the be butt. Absurd. <laughs> um but it's you know, I mean I was kind of like running around looking at at people's bows. I mean, I was one of the last heats, so I got to look at damn near everybody. Um nobody really had target specific bows. There was one team of guys, and they shot, I think they shot 94 out of 100, both of them. Um, And they didn't do very well in the challenge course, but their shooting got them up to the podium. Um, They were shooting, they were clearly shooting target bows, and I can't remember what kind they were. I mean, you you can kind of tell by the color and the stabilizer setup. Um, Well, one thing on the stabilizer setup, you could shoot, you know, the the big, long, you know, 80-foot stabilizer if you wanted to, but again you had to use that on the challenge course. So you had to carry that up a mountain if you want. Um, so your best bet was to have your hunting set up for the whole thing. And, uh, you know, with, with the way that sidebars are set up now and a lot of hunters trending towards the the sidebar thing, you know, you you really could get away with using your hunting setup for the the 3d course and do really well. Like, uh, like Kenny, like that guy, it was, his was clearly a hunting setup. I mean, I know he's a, uh, Bo-tech, uh Bowtech staff, but he was he had a he had a hunting setup and he just dominated out there.
2: Yeah, like like I said, I was just curious because it seems like in everything else, I mean, how they build everything for specific things in archery. So you want to mm-hmm. do this, you'll do, use that. You want to use this, this is what you're gonna do. So next year you'll be out there with the quiverizer with all your arrows out in front. And, <laughs> Double yeah, there was one
3: there was one quiverizer. We did I did see one guy shooting a quiverizer. I did not see him running with it. <clears throat> I must have missed that part, but I was I was kind of interested to see how he was gonna manage that because that that looked that didn't look fun to
1: that, me. That's pretty cumbersome looking. I mean <laughs> Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean any bow really is and I mean I did, you know, when I was training I did run around the neighborhood. I had to do this when it was a little darker and a little earlier in the morning. Um but I did run with the with the bow. Uh, but it, I mean, it's, it's weird because you have to, I mean, your, your arms get tired and you don't want your left arm to get too tired by the time you get to your shot. So you carry in your right hand, but if you're right hand dominant and you fall, your bows coming crashing down. So then you got to switch it to your left hand when you think you're going to fall. It's like this, it's this chess game back and forth, more things to think about than you ever thought you would have to, when you're running up a muddy Hill. Like when you have that bow in your hand, it, it changes the game completely.
2: Okay. And so you're, You've qualified now for nationals, but it doesn't sound like you're going to be able to make that. So, so what's, I guess, why aren't you going to nationals, and then what? what's next for you uh, in this?
3: So, I yeah, I, I at this point, I'm 99% certain I will not be able to go to nationals. Um, my, uh, my wife's C-section is scheduled for that same weekend where our, our daughter Evelyn will be born. So, uh, knowing my history, that's a, that's a pretty big damn deal. So I have, uh, I'm not going to be in Colorado for that. I'm going to be here for that one. Um, so I, it's, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that I'll miss the nationals. Um, but that just gives me more motivation to qualify next year. <clears throat> um, next year I, I've, I've toyed with a couple different ideas. Cause I'm definitely doing it. I mean, I'll do this as long as I, as long as I'm, I'm breathing at this point. I mean, I'm on such a high from it. Um, I, before this one, actually, I, I had messaged uh, Kenny Hollinsworth. I was like, hey, man, do you want to see if we can both do the individuals and then try and do the teams? And he was like, yeah, that's going to be kind of hard. I don't think they allow you to do it. And I'm, I'm really glad they didn't allow us to do it because that would have been insane. Um, <laughs> that I Then I probably wouldn't. I, I would probably still be on my deathbed at this point. Uh, but I think next year I'm definitely going to do an individual, um, whether it be... I, I'm definitely going to do an individual and then I think, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to team up with my buddy Braden and we're going to do another team event, um, at two separate events. Uh, if we qualify for nationals in both, I guess we got to kind of figure out what we want to do then. Cause I don't think we'd be able to do both. Um, but one idea that Tex actually kind of threw in my mind, uh, and again, this kind of speaks to the Testament of how unique that guy is. He's like, you know, I've become kind of the face of the traditional archer in this, in this, like this, you know, community, he goes, but you'd be a lot better of a face than me. <laughs> so I, I've, i at first, you know, before I went to the event, I'm like, man, you know, I think I'm gonna get another bow. I, you know, I, I really like those Defiant 34s. And, you know, I like how they look. I like how they shoot. Now, and hopefully my wife's not listening right now, but now I'm kind of toying with the idea of getting a trad bow <laughs> and uh, just seeing what I can do. Um, whether I compete with that or not, I, I, I don't know. It depends on how much, how much practice I. I put into it one way or another. I'm com- I'm competing in the individual, um, and I'm definitely as long as I've got a, a partner willing to do it. And I don't care. It could be someone who's it could be someone who their first time getting out there. I'll carry their damn bow and their damn pack if I have to. But I'm going to do a team event um, at a separate a separate one next year. So
2: well, well, a couple things. One, I think this uh, podcast is predicated on the fact that our wives don't listen. Because <laughs> if that was yeah. the case, then you know there would be, be, be we wouldn't we wouldn't have half the gear that we do <laughs> <laughs> and we most definitely we, we wouldn't be planning these uh hunts and things like that but um but yeah with that uh that trad bow thing i mean it just seems like everybody moves towards that um i've said it before on here i've got one and i, I bought it to shoot chipmunks with and it's it's fun but i wouldn't I would go shoot a few of them and see, you know, what, what you want. Cause I literally was like, Oh, look at that. Uh, Take down bow. You know, I'll shoot some chipmunks with it. I'll get a 50 pounder. Well, 50 pounds with no let off is no joke. And then I also had it in my backyard in the city and I was like, oh, I'll just go shoot it into some boxes or whatever. I shot it through my picket fence into the neighbor's yard, <laughs> like thinking. And I was like, oh, I see how people kill deer with these and things like that. So, I mean, it's a whole nother, whole,
3: yeah. whole
1: nother ball game. Yeah, that's, that's a whole nother yeah. rabbit hole there. You're gonna...
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you got to, you got to commit. I, like, I think to be successful at it, you have to like, you know, like what Snyder did last year. You got to commit 100% to shooting a trad bow for hunting for everything. Like your, your compound bow has to collect dust.
2: Yeah. And you know, it, the way that, that you obsess about things kind of like, I think it would be the same as like if John picked up a trad bow. I mean, it'd probably be a lot easier to build strings, right, John, but <laughs> a <whole> lot easier, <laughs> but, but the way that you like ho- focus in on the things, I, I'm, I'm certain that you could do it. Um, I guess for the train to hunt thing, it'd be a lot lighter, but it'd be a little bit probably twice as long. Yeah. Know.
3: <laughs> yeah it'd be it'd be later your targets are closer they do move the trad so if you shoot if you shoot trad it's like half the distance for everything so they do you know they they will move you up which is which is fair like that's definitely you know i mean if you're shooting <laughs> shooting like a 60 yard shot with a trad bow uh, it's kind of that's a tall order for a lot of guys but that, you're
1: even when you're pro. In, even when you're not winded
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah when you're not winded exactly
1: yeah. Now, is there any limits on that? I mean,
2: cause it would seem like, I mean, I guess it goes back into that whole, like train to hunt specific bow, but it's like, I think if I was doing that and y- you were going to be winded and you were going to, going to do it just to win it. I mean, I'd have like a 25 pound kids like recurve, you know? So it was, it, w- it would be much easier to hold back and be less cumbersome.
3: Yeah. I mean, I guess I don't know enough about, you know, Trad bows to be able to look at one and say, okay, that one's definitely like a hunting setup or that one's, you know, that that's a pretty light setup he's got there. Um, it, you know, one of the guys that was shooting Trad, you know, I'm looking at his time right now. He had like the second fastest. Time. He was this little guy, uh, Josh Crooks. And he, I think he was a member there at Ambridge. And uh, his bow, I mean, his bow looked like a hunting setup. Same thing with Texas. I mean, they look like, straight up hunting setups, but I'm sure you could probably get away with like, you know, a real light shooting bow I, as you could with a compound bow. I mean, you can go out there with like a, you know, a little bear. What, what do they have? Like the, the apprentice. bear apprentice, <laughs> apprentice. Yeah. You could, you could crank that bad boy down to like 30 and then you, <laughs> then you just, you know, pop fives all day long. <laughs>
2: well, and then uh, what else I was going to say is that, you know, you reaching out to, to Kenny to be on your team, that puts a lot of pressure on uh, Braden. Because I mean, the guy you asked last year takes his division yeah. and is like third overall, and uh, and then now you got Braden. So, Braden, <laughs> well, when you I listen mean, to this, you you'd better be better be training.
3: I tell you what, Braden's Braden's no joke. I mean, he shoots he shoots well, and you know, and he's no and he's no stranger to fitness either. I mean, he did a considerable amount of powerlifting and everything. Um, but I think you know. I mean, he, him and I have talked long enough and, and known each other long enough to know that you know. If, I think if he says yes, he knows what he's he's signing up for. Because <laughs> uh, he, I, yeah. Because <laughs> him and I guess he he he's at uh, he works at the same gym as my father in law and my father in law he's another one. He's a, he's an absolute beast too. Um, and my brother in law, but both of those guys all just pump weights like crazy. And uh, you know, I, I I think he texted me one time. He's like yeah man like we're we're trying but we we can't quite keep up at this point i'm like you will i mean it's it's just it's for me i'm 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 obsessed with it i'm not an outlier by any means but i'm just up i i get hyper focused on one thing and i just i beat it like a dead horse like i just or beat it till it's dead really
2: so then you've got this uh this baby on the way in the end of july what um what do you have planned for, for hunts this year and, and what do you got coming up?
3: So, yeah, we were, uh, my brother and my dad were actually talking about that the other day. Um, last year, you know, last year I sat out of our Texas hunt, uh, cause we had a, you know, we had Garrett on the way, uh, this year, I think we're going to go on our Texas hunt in November. So we're, I'm actually going to be able to go to that. And, you know, we, we visit my family in Kentucky quite a bit. So that's going to be, you know, a huge part of my, my deer hunting this year will be down in Kentucky and you know, we're, we're with, I, I am blessed enough to have an incredibly supportive, uh, my family's incredibly supportive of everything that we do. And, you know, as far as, you know, and, and, helping us out. And then my in-laws are incredibly supportive as well. So, um, you know, I'm fortunate enough to kind of be able to do what I want when I go down there. Um, and I know we have my in-laws and, uh, you know, to, to watch Evelyn, um, when I go hunt and everything, and, and I'm never hunting, I'm not very far from where I even go hunting, so it's not like a, you know, I'm gone for three days type of thing, it's like, I might be gone for the day, you know, come back at night hopefully with a deer, if not, at least I got to hunt, that's all I care about. So, that that may not change it. As far as training, we'll see, I'm still going to train the same way um, and train just as hard, If that actually, I'm probably going to turn it up, If, if I, I'm going to train as though I'm going to nationals now, so everything I'll do, I'll like double or triple now. Um, but I think uh, my, my wife, once she's not pregnant anymore, she'll be able to really work out again. So she's going to want the early morning to work out. So I think I got to switch to like an 11, 11 p.m., 12 p.m. schedule with it. But, you know, I'll just do it when everyone's sleeping.
2: Yeah. And so I guess you're, you're saying you're going to double your training and things like that. You were telling me that there's differences between nationals and regionals.
3: Yeah. From, from what Texas told me and from what, you know, I gather from everyone else, it's, it's harder. So, I mean, I guess I'm only assuming that it's double. It might be only, you know, a little bit more, but I, I think I, I become real conservative when I kind of speculate and just say, well, it's national. So it's, it, it, and everyone says it's harder. So I'm just going to double everything. Okay. So, you know, if it's, if it's, you know, we, we knew we ran 1.5 and I was doing a little bit of that for this, for this race. Um, so I'll just, you know, just to add more. And I, and I should, if I'm doing everything the right way, uh, well, right way, I guess I use air quotes for because, you know, there's a, there's a different right way for everybody. What I found works for me and where I get the best progression is if I'm constantly pushing myself to do more. I mean, it used to be, if I went to the gym, I'd go lift weights and I'd come home. Now I'll run to the gym, I'll lift weights, then I'll run home and then I'll shoot. Or, you know, I'll just, I'll start combining everything together. And so if I combine everything together and I start doing more, it does make for a longer workout, but at least I'm, I know I'm progressing then and then then I would be confident going into the next season, being able to, uh, hopefully qualify for nationals and then hopefully do well at nationals.
2: Well, I mean, with that training regimen. So when you tell me, when you told me that you were going to win it, um, I didn't necessarily doubt you, but I didn't necessarily, um, I I wasn't aware of the way that you were training for it, you know, so for, for someone going into it as a first timer, I mean, was there any, uh, distinction there, um, between first time, uh, people at the event, you know, when you, um, run a marathon or, or some of the bigger races, triathletes and things like that, a lot of times there's a different colored bib or something like that Mm -hmm. for someone who's a, a first timer. Um, was there any sort of distinction there? And then did you see even if not, did you run into people who were, um, first timers there? And I guess kind of got the impression of what it was like for, I wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't uh, put you in the realm of a normal first timer because I can tell you damn well, if I would have went there this year, I wouldn't have had that amount of like focus. I mean, you seem to be like someone who, like knew, uh, I guess in your mind what it was going to be like before you got there. Instead of saying, well, "I'm going to go do this for fun and you know be part of the community," type thing.
3: Yeah. Um, well, there uh, as far as designation, I guess informally, like the other people who are there that have done it before, they all know each other. There are and they're all close friends. So when someone new shows up, they know who the new new people are, and they're like I said before, they're incredibly welcoming. Um, Bill Bill Edel, when I when I got up to the podium, I think him and uh, him and someone else, and I don't know who was yelling this, but they, they were all yelling that it was my first time when I when I walked up to the podium. Like they were all excited that it, yeah, I was a first timer and I, I got to the podium. And I, I'm sure I'm not the first person to do that, but uh, it, it was real cool to have that kind of support, especially from the people running it. Um, <laughs> um as far as other people who were uh, first timers there, I'm not really sure. Like anybody who. You know, maybe finish toward you know middle of the pack, towards the bottom. I'm sure there there were some first timers, there. actually I know there were. Um, I didn't really get a chance to talk to most many of those guys. A lot of them, they were a little shy. And I mean, I talked to them for a little bit, but they I, I think they were a little intimidated about what was going on. But really shouldn't have been because everyone's super friendly. Um, but one guy, this this dude Chad Bone, um, and he took uh, he was second overall. He did and he podiumed. He qualified for nationals he's a, he's a freak athlete. I mean, this guy does the Xterra series races and everything. So this was his first train to hunt, but I think he was kind of approaching it the same way as I was, where he's like, I'm going to rely on my endurance to get me through this. Um, and he, I think, you know, I'm looking at his score. He actually shot really well too. Um, but, you know, we, we both were kind of, we were hanging out for a little while, kind of helping each other out. Like, I mean, help, you know, I was helping him put his weight in his pack and getting him familiar with some of the stuff. And, you know, we were just kind of giving each other, you know, this is what I did for training, you know, did this work for you? And we, we had a very similar background. Um, so it was cool to be able to bounce ideas off of him and, and just kind of hang with him for a little while. And then I got to hang with him afterwards. He was, he was an awesome guy. It was a really cool guy. And he competed in men's supermasters. So, but this guy was so tall that he's like, he'd be like six, seven, six, eight, that one of the things you have, when you step over the box, you have to put two feet in the box well, this son of a bitch can step right over the damn box. And he did on one of them. They had to make him go back. And he still finished really well.
2: Well, I think that we've gone through pretty much everything, um, you know, that I wanted to talk about. Um, I guess, what would you say to someone who's, I mean, even somebody like me um, who's considered doing one of these events? I I think I'm going to say it right now. I think next year I'm going to do one um, because I'm super interested in it and it's it's kind of right along the same alley as me is like a challenge. Um, I don't know that I've got the, the drive, we'll call it to just be like, well, I'm going to go ahead and win this thing. Um, but I guess what would you say to someone who's considering it or, um, you know, maybe is kind of halfway committed to doing, doing something like this? Uh,
3: the biggest thing is there's there, like I had talked about before, there's zero intimidation there. So, any reservation anybody would have to signing up, just sign up for it. I mean, it's a hundred, it's a hundred bucks to sign up and you got to travel. So you can drive there. You can get an Airbnb. It's, it's a pretty cheap thing to do considering the price of other endurance sport things or hell, even any hunting. I mean, if you, if you pay to hunt anywhere else, you're, you're $500 plus. This is, I mean, and this is a hunting event. You get to meet other hunters network with other hunters for a pretty cheap price. And you're going to make some lifelong friends through it. I mean, these guys, I know I'm going to be lifelong friends with all these guys and hopefully I get to hunt with them too. Um, and I mean, and and I guess don't forget the the name of the whole thing. It's trained to hunt. So one thing that I realized towards the end of all the training, I was like, you know, whether I win first, second, third, or I'm last, when I'm hunting, I'm ready. Like, I mean, you know, stalking and things aside, you know, like techniques with that. But as far as like my endurance, I'm never going to have that experience like I did when I was waterfall hunting, where I was carrying things thinking I was going to have a damn heart attack. Like, I'm, I'll never have that experience again. Like, if there's a big hill that I have to rush up to go after a deer, or if I ever get a chance to go out west, I know that like physically I'm ready and I can make a shot very quickly under a lot of pressure. So regardless of anything else, how anything else finished, I know that I would... I have more of a chance of success if I can get put on an animal, uh, if I, whenever, wherever I'm bow hunting. Um, but as far as like, you know, just preparing for it, just do, do what you can and, and just constantly keep try to try to progress. You know what the exercises are beforehand. So just, you just go do them and do them until you got them. I mean, it's like that, you know, practice doesn't make perfect practice, makes permanence and just, you know, get yourself in the mode of, you know, getting through those movements you can lift all the weights and run all the miles you ever want but if you're not able to do you know box overs or if you if you can't literally do a sit-up with a 50 pound weight on your chest then you know it's kind of useless so just practice it you know what they are you just go out and do it
2: well i think that's good information you know for if you want to do a train to hunt but i i guess i i didn't even take that into consideration you know we we do the total archery challenge for the for the up and down, for the long shots, for the angles and things like that, and you know, uh, the fitness that's involved there. But I mean, yeah, I suppose it's so hard because when you when I think of train to hunt, I yes, there's this event, but on some level, I feel like it's kind of lost, or it's almost uh, like like that portion that you're talking about—the actual physical portion of it Mm -hmm. because social media is so flooded with like elk fit and like (laughs) venison gains and all you know and uh, all these um catchy hashtags and and things like that um that becomes more of a are you a hunter or a athlete uh, like a bodybuilder that just happens to hunt too you, you look good in a tight shirt so you're gonna Bomar. you're gonna you're gonna sell <laughs> yeah. some stuff I, you know i may i may have been alluding to that but i wasn't gonna say it john i'm a so model thank
1: you. <laughs> and i kill deer <laughs> with a spear yeah yeah
2: so so yeah i mean i think that that's good a good way to look at it um outside of the you know the community aspect of it seems like really really huge um the fitness part part of it, it seems like a great way to integrate those two things, but I, 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 I really think that that was lost on me, like, the actual, like, what you just said is kind of, is very poignant, I think.
3: Yeah, well, it, it's, it's, um, some of the, some of the people that you guys just mentioned there, you know, like, um, you know, Whitetail Fit and, and Bomar, you know, they all do their own, their own fitness thing, and, um, you know, and not that this this isn't in any way criticism whatsoever, because they're probably way more fit than I am. But uh, you know, one thing that uh, Kenton said during the during the, the banquet speech, um, the coed division had only one team compete, and he said you you saw them up there, and they looked defeated because they were the only ones there. But he said, you know what, they showed up. Anybody can sign up for this thing. Anybody can if they wanted to compete in this can make the time for it. So, you know, now I kind of, and I don't, and I don't judge because I I did this too, but now after competing in that, I do think that anybody who competes in this level, and this, this includes myself, but this includes anybody who's ever done a train to hunt, even the guys who finished complete dead last, who maybe started training a week ago, they all showed up for it. All these people taking gym selfies in their hunting gear. Um, they, i more power to them. I'm glad they're out training. I'm glad they're doing all these things, but I don't see. I mean, with the exception of maybe Ben Greenfield, he show he does. The, I think he did the Washington one, um, but there's a lot of people that that don't. And I mean, they're out, and they may have a viable reason. And 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 you know, there's 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 plenty of events to go to, um, but this is a this is a hard event. That if you're as in shape as you say you are, uh, this is your chance to prove it. So I guess it, I guess on a, on a more of a positive note and to, to help Kenton get more enrollment into these events, if you're one of these guys taking gym selfies and saying, you know, you know, they're, they're doing the hashtag train to hunt because they're training to hunt sign up for the, one of these events. And you know, if, 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 if you don't like what I'm saying, come beat me at it. Cause I love the competition. I can't wait to make friends with those guys with any of these guys, but come beat anybody who's done it before. And and and, the, and then you then you're just part of a brotherhood, then everyone's happy, you know, but show up come up that's that's the that's the biggest thing
1: it's like a good motivator just to get into the shape for season, yeah. you know, but okay. it also has that you know competition part of it where absolutely you know you get it's like a it's a bonus so you get done with that, and then well shoot, I'm already ready for uh, any mountain going out elk hunting. so
3: yeah. The competition part, you, it, it gets lost on you because once you get there, it's a completely different experience than you think it's going to be, especially if you're a first timer. Next year, it'll be interesting to see what my approach is going in because it'll be like, oh, I get to see all my buddies again. Oh, I got to compete too. I get, I better get focused here. Like, hopefully, I can stay as hyper focused as I was this year.
2: Well, yeah, thanks, you know, Kyle, for taking the time with us tonight, and uh, it's always good to talk to you. I'm sure I'll talk to you again, you know before your baby comes and, and, and all of that. But, um, I just want to thank you so much for, for coming on and, and again, taking the time and, you know, if anybody out there, um, has, is going through anything tough or, or, you know, has, has lost a child or done anything like that, definitely, uh, check out, uh, Kyle's podcast. It's the dad's and angels podcast. And which episode is your, uh, episode specifically, because I, I started listening to it and I already had, Known your story, and it took you know three four episodes or so till we got to hear your your actual story. You know, you being the the guest on on your own podcast. So
3: yeah, um, it's episode. Uh, so i So I titled the episodes by the by uh, the the child's name. So it's episode Garrett. Uh, I believe it's either episode three or four. I can't remember now. But uh yeah, it's uh, episode Garrett.
2: Yeah. So if if you want to see like where his heart is where where his motivation comes from you know take a listen to that and if you're not like choked up with tears by you know halfway through it then and you're less human than I am and I've been told I don't have a heart so I mean it's <laughs> you're you're a sick individual right. um, <laughs> so but yeah uh, anything you got left uh parting thoughts Kyle because um you know, you know th- y- thanks for coming you know, on.
3: What? It's uh, it's it's been this has been a, a pretty incredible journey that I honestly I never thought I would you know be sitting here in in, in our sunroom talking to you guys on the Bo Hunter Chronicle podcast. So I guess first and foremost, thank you guys for the support. Um, You know, you, you guys have been an incredible support. And John, I, I like the picture of you with the the Dads and Angels hat with uh, Jamie Johnson oh, the other yeah. night. <laughs> that was awesome. I was yeah. like, ah, oh, the first celebrity one. Um, <laughs> But, you know, with, with, with you guys and, you know, I've had an incredible amount of support from, you know, my family, um, my, my in-laws, no, all of my family. Um, you know, my uh, Uncle Bobby, Uncle Jeff for really getting me into hunting. Uh, you know, JT, um, who finished first in, in the Open Division, you know, I, I mean, he was breathing down my throat, you know, the entire time. And he was a, he was a great competitor. He's become a great friend. Um, you know, talked to him. I think I've talked to him almost every day since we've, since we finished. Um, and, and most importantly, like, you know, my wife, uh, you know, when I'd get up at four in the morning, she's the one who had to also listen to the alarm and kind of take care of the dog and make sure the dog was, you know, settled down and back to sleep while I was, you know, trucking away at the gym. So, um, and she'll continue to be, you know, I, I'm sure she's, she she will, will always be my number one fan. Um, and and she always makes that apparent and, uh, by all the support that she gives me so um you know my my wife Amanda is probably the the, the most important person to thank with all this but other than that man it's it's been a, it's been a true pleasure talking to you guys tonight i really thank
2: you all right well you know anytime anything you need from us Kyle get a hold of us and we definitely have to get together and go on a hunt here you know we we tried last year and you know just circumstances being what they were it, it didn't work out um but yeah, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll certainly uh, we'll certainly help you out any way we can. So, so thanks, sir. Thanks for everything. Right. Thanks, Talk Adam. Later. Thanks, John. Yep.